He's on the apostolic team, leadership team of uh, Grace Churches International, which we are part of. Uh, he's my mentor and been that way for four years, 14 years. And it's so exciting to have him be here. And Jerry, yeah. uh, you have the honor today of bringing the word of God. Thank you, man. Okay. I want you to know that Pastor Willie has given me permission to mess with you today. So um, I really um, we want to talk about God's, God's dream. God's got a dream, and it involves you your future, your destiny. And I'd like to, if I could, speak to you today a little bit differently than maybe sometimes. Because I really want to speak to you as as leaders a little bit more like I might do in a a pastor's conference. So it will be a little different track. You see, God says that you are a leader. Because a leader is not about a title, it's about influence and impact. And I don't know if you see yourself as a leader or not, but God does. So you can help me by saying, speak to yourself. (laughs) Say, self, listen up. (laughs) God's got a purpose and a plan for you, and He's stepping things up. Okay, so... uh, we, we have a lot of realities facing us on our watch today. That's not a newsflash. <laughs> Globalization, climate change, technological breakthroughs, international terrorism, economic crises, rapid shifts in moral norms, uh, social networks, the Arab Spring, Occupy Wall Street. Just to say a few things that, that are going on. And every business that's functioning in this culture, changing so rapidly, either reinvents itself every few years or goes belly up. Last night with the group, we we talked about some of the businesses that we hear, like yesterday, Circuit City or Linden's and things, or or Borders, or, you know, things are changing. Um, it, it's just the order of the day. Change. But change is hard. Change is challenging. Change means taking risk and, and, and deconstructing things. Seeing things through new eyes. Because no matter who we are or where we function, we stop, we stop seeing. Um, where you go to work, you, you do not see it the same way you did, you did the first time you walked in there. Then you had new eyes, and you noticed this and that and wondered about Now you just walk in. That's the way we all are. So God has placed the church right in the middle of all of this. More change going on our day than in the history of man. <clears throat> and He's given us a charge. He's saying, listen, I want you to bring hope and real help to people who are hurting today. And it, and it means some serious change. And I'm going to mention some things today, and, and, and I'm, I may, I've got permission to say some things that may tweak you a little. Um, <clears throat> Reggie McNeil says, the most unhappy people are 55-year-old pastors who prepared to lead churches that no longer exist. <laughs> Believe me, I've lived long enough to see it. Peter Drucker, probably know who he is, famous business guru, says, people in any organization are always attached to the obsolete, things that once worked but no longer do. In other words, the world is changing faster than the church. Which means we're losing, to put business terms, we're losing market share. (laughs) Or, put it in another word, we're losing influence on the culture. I mean, that's, yeah. 
For so much of the population, Jesus is pretty cool. Church is not. And maybe in Lynchburg, I don't know. I'm in a pretty church city myself, Columbia. Um, but to outsiders, the church seems like we, we are a club. And when they walk in, they feel like they've come into somebody's family reunion and they don't know anybody. It's, it's a different culture. And outsiders tend to feel like the church is, I'm talking about the believing church in America, the evangelical church. They feel like we're, we're living in a, in a time war. One survey of church members asked this question. Why does the church exist? It said 89% of them said the church exists to meet my need, my needs. And when you think of it, there's a part of that that's right. Like, I, I want the church to influence my children. I want the church to help my teenagers. I want the church to help my marriage. We understand that. But only 11% said the church exists to accomplish the mission of God. And the cool thing is that if you, if you live for the mission of God, these other things will happen. They will, they will also come. So, so what do you think? Is, is this thing about change in the church, is, is this shocking to you? I doubt it. You, you probably are aware. But I think we need to look right in the face of God and say, God, what are you saying to your people? What? I mean, this is our hour. This is our watch. <laughs> so I've spent the last six years, I've been a church planner for 40 years. And these last six years, I have really been thinking and studying and reimagining church and trying to come to grips with these things. And, and in doing that, I've had a new, I've had a, a, a fresh appreciation for the early church. Because the, the, the first church was so Jewish. It was so Hebrew. The Hebrews, they, they had a whole different thought pattern than Greeks or Romans. They were a moral community. They had high moral standards. And they weren't intellectual so much as, I mean, they were steeped in Scripture. So when they, they met Jesus... You've got this passionate group of people with all this biblical background. and I mean, they, man, they knew all of that. Uh, for them to even go to the Samaritans and cross over to those people was really hard. And, and, and for them to go to, in, into Turkey, where, I mean, people, they're so demonized, so many temple prostitutes... I mean, it, it, to, to go into Greek culture with their philosophers and education and intellectual stuff, to go into Rome with, where, where they've got, you know, half of Rome was slaves. They had gladiators, violence. And one of the things that has encouraged me, because we read the book of Acts and it's all pressed in together, but it took years for this first church to get it. It was not easy adapting to another culture, another time, another season. It's always been hard. And in the church, just like in the business world, we have innovators. People who think ahead. People who think around corners. People who say, what if? And let themselves think. <laughs> we have innovators. And then we have early adapters. Those who Let's, I'm ready. Let's go. You've got early majority. Then you've got late majority. Then you've got guys that don't make it. They never change. The early church had resistance. They had people who, who fought like, like, like anything to resist this leaving the Hebrew culture and going to these other people. And that is right where the church is today. We were in a very similar place as that early church. We forget that from, from the resurrection to, to, to the, the, the Jerusalem council in Acts 15, that was 20 years. 
<laughs> it took years to reprogram people. Why? Because it's hard for us to change. So God has placed us in this generation at this time. And the question is, God, what do you want us to do? I had no idea six years ago that God was going to ask my wife and I to plant our last church. I was at age 65. And very quickly in planting a new church, everybody on my team is a lot younger. And right away, they're saying, well, I mean, Jerry, you can't do it that way. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I figured out pretty quickly, you're right. And so more and more, I I mean, yeah, I preach from the pulpit. I teach. I cast vision. I, I have more theology than they do. I have more experience than they do. But I don't know the culture coming behind me. I, I don't think they, the way they do. Um, so I, I began listening. and <clears throat> People, I mean, one of the first things they said, we want you to preach in jeans. Hello? <laughs> Here I am today. Um, you, you know, um, every building, every house I've ever lived in and every church building I've ever built, they've always had white walls. They said, we don't want white walls. Our walls are red. Some of them are black. Our ceiling is black. We, they, they recently took out all of our fluorescent lights and put in these little things, these little down lights like you have at Starbucks. It, <laughs> it, they, they, they want all their signs to look like Ikea. Now, how many of you don't know what Ikea is? Everybody my age doesn't. They, they, okay. Good. You know what Ikea is. They, they, um, our announcements now. Three announcements only. They're all videotaped. They're all done by women, and they're all very funny, very hilarious. So your announcements are like, boom, up on the, you know, and it takes, you know, hardly any time. And... It's fun because they're poking fun at themselves and one another, and it's just fun. And we have, you begin to create an atmosphere. A lot of people outside the church, they have no idea that Christians have fun. <laughs> um, it's like a, people outside have no idea that God really is, really does want people to be happy. He's only asking them to do things a certain way because he knows what makes them happy. Anyway, the rest of the world doesn't know that. Our language has changed. We don't say brother, sister. We don't say elder this. Excuse me. I know I'm stepping on toes. We don't call this a sanctuary. We don't say, we hardly ever say amen. We don't say hallelujah. We don't use, on Sunday morning, we don't use religious language. Why? Because the people out there that desperately need Christ and, you know, they don't know that language. When they come in and I'm, we're all using that language, they're saying, uh, I'm in somebody else's family reunion. This is not... You go to work, you don't hear that language. <laughs> um, Sunday morning, listen, we love all that stuff. We do that in home groups. And we have great home groups, life groups, whatever you call yours. And in that kind of fellowship, it's for you. But on Sunday morning, honestly, we build Sunday morning to help people who are cross-cultural. They don't have Christian culture. They're they're a new age, or they're this or that. And so... um, we change our literature all the time. We change something in our service almost every Sunday. We, we debrief ourselves. How long did it take to do this? How long did it take this? You know, was this clear? I, I mean, I, okay, I'm, I'm, I told you I was going to speak to you as leaders. 
and, uh, you know, mess with you a little bit. But when we broke and you had the children go, I'm, I'm, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> okay. Is it good for you? Yeah. But what about first-time visitors? Listen, I had a guy who, who we, I had a church plant pastor in my church last Sunday. He was wanting to see what we're doing because he's getting ready to go plant one of our churches in Wilmington. And I said, well, what did you see? And we ask people all the time, what did you see in our service? He said, well, I, when you took communion, I wasn't clear on when to take it. And, and he, he said, and when you start greeting people, he said, you know, if you go a minute and a half, he said, that's okay for the family, but, but if you're a brand new visitor, you're just sitting there and you don't know anybody, even two minutes of greeting is a long time because you feel so alone. And so we're learning to see things through other people's eyes. <laughs> so I was wrestling with a, an issue, a project I was doing. I was wrestling a few weeks ago. And I just, I was so discouraged in this project. And God spoke to me and he said, he said Jerry, it's not about you. Right. Duh. I knew that. I forgot that. It's not about me. What about you? Is it about you? Or is it about the heart and the mission of God to reach people who, who uh, worst case it, are going to die and go to hell? Put it out in plain English. Meanwhile, their lives are... See, everybody wants to be happy. Nobody messes up their life on purpose. Every decision that everybody makes, they think that's going to lead to happiness. And there's so many hurt, bruised, damaged people and God's heart bleeds for them. And, and He wants our heart to bleed for them. So much so that we, we will change whatever it is necessary. Uh, here's a question for you. What's happened in the movies from the fifth, movies in the 50s, movies in the 60s, the 70s, to movies in 2010. You go back and you watch that. I mean, I, I was a teenager in the 50s. <laughs> you go back and you watch those movies, it's like, I could grow old watching this. <laughs> and, and people just talk on and on, it's an inches forward. No. Why have the movies done that? Because Americans don't have attention span anymore. And I'm not being critical. I'm just, I'm the same way. I don't want that, mm, I'm, you know. And it's hard for the church to get a hold of that. In movies today, the lines are shorter. But the content doesn't have to be less. The content does not have to be less. And, and they've proven that with some of the great movies. And, of course, they have a lot of terrible ones. Uh, now, this, I think, God's got us in a good place. He's putting pressure on us to make certain changes and adjustments that will work to our benefit as a, as a, as a, as a people. What it's doing is it's, it's causing us to need one another. Okay, at my age... It would be ridiculous to expect me to understand what a teen or 25-year-old or 35-year-old is thinking or likes or even what their language is. So I play my age card. Man, I really need these teens. I really need these 20-year-olds. I need these 30-year-olds. I need 40-year-olds around me for us to team and work together, which has always been God's plan. We need the generations. And hopefully, they still need my generation <laughs> if we can team and, and work together. And I, believe, I believe, believe the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, unless all of, the, all of God's people in a local church, unless we're all on the same team, all wearing a jersey, all getting some, some knocks on the field, unless we do that, we're not going to be able to reach this next generation. And we will 
age out. And I'm old enough to watch some of my friends and high school graduates and, and, and my Air Force Academy graduates, I watch some of these guys age out, which means they get to a place and say, I'm not changing anymore. I'm at a certain age. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. No, no, no. This tree is going to stay green. <laughs> we, we, we're, going to, we're going to live on the, the cusp of what God is saying and doing in this age. And that's my dream for you as well. So, the church in the New Testament has always been my vision, always been my dream since I've become a Christian. Um, and the early church was a movement. It was not an organization. It was a people movement. And I, I think, and this is what's going on in China today. Uh, the gospel spreads in people in China like a virus. How do you get a virus? You touch something they touched or they sneeze. So we call people who spread the gospel wherever they go, we call them sneezers. And the Holy Spirit saying, I want sneezers in my people. I, I want the gospel to go viral. Where it's kind of it's contagious. It's, it's going in. You don't, nobody has any real control over that. It's the Holy Spirit moving through men and women who love Jesus. Um, Forty years ago, I, Nan and I planted Manor Church in, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And my passion then, and still is, I want to see every man and woman come into his or her destiny. When we say God's got a plan for you, we are serious. God has a plan. He knows why He made you the way He did, your temperament, your childhood experiences, and He intends to turn every one of those things into a prophet for you and for the kingdom of God. We've always known that the power, the explosive power of the church, it's been a little elusive since, the early, since that early church movement, the first couple of hundred years. But a scripture that we've, you know, been working on for 40, more than 40 years, but is in Ephesians 4, verse 7, it says, to each one of us grace was given. Now, He's not talking here about leaders, meaning designated church leaders. He's talking about to each one, each believer. There is a grace given. And then he starts talking about in, in what we know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Yeah. For 40 years we've been pioneering that. 40 years ago I started by saying, okay, Father... Apostle, prophet, who are they? What do they look like? How do you raise them up? How do you recognize them? How do you train them? I spent 40 years doing that. But the only reason we have them is in Ephesians 4.12 when it says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building of the body of Christ. And then verse 16, it just kind of comes to a head from whom the whole body being fitted and held together Here's the key. But by what every joint supplies. The, in other words, Jesus took the grace that was on Himself and He says, I want to put that grace into My people. And He, he, he brought His grace in five flavors. Apostle flavor, prophet flavor, evangelist flavor, pastor flavor, teacher flavor. But he wants that to come into all of us in some different combination. When we think apostle, just think bold initiative. Think entrepreneur. Okay. Anybody here got a little entrepreneur in you? I'm serious. It's a serious question. Do you have a little entrepreneur? Some of you do. Okay. That's, he wants a little flavor of that where, where many of you have a faith to start things. A little of it. Some combination. What about the prophetic? God wants a little of that Holy Spirit prophetic anointing on every one of your, His people. 
He's already told us to pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For all may prophesy. Why do we have prophets? So help us all to have a prophetic where you go to work and you, you sense things by the Spirit and you speak things into places and the Holy Spirit shows up and kind of in some really natural ways does some supernatural things. And then he wants all of us to be a recruiter. <laughs> a sneezer. That's the evangelist. And when we come to pastor, I'd rather use the word shepherd. I, wherever I, uh, the churches I start and the men I mentor, I always tell them this. I am not your wife's pastor. You are, husband. My job is to help you be a good shepherd. What about you mothers? Do you shepherd your children? What about older women? Do you shepherd some of the younger women? What about some of the older men? Do you shepherd, mentor, father some of the younger men? See, he wants this whole thing to, to move into the whole church. What about teaching? We all are teaching. Uh, Jesus says in, in the Great Commission, he says, teaching others, what is it? To observe all that I am teaching you. I think it runs like that. Um, so we've, we've pioneered some of this. But the Holy Spirit, I believe, is saying, I'm going to take this another step. See, the early church was just people excited about Jesus. As a matter of fact, the early church stayed in, they were so, they were so excited about Jesus that Jerusalem must have been a real hubbub. I mean, there must have been at least 25,000 Christians in Jerusalem. And they're just, I mean, they're into it. They are, they're just, you know, telling every, every Jew about Jesus and they're sharing their meals and their homes and their lives. And it's just a great time. And God had persecution break out and scattered them. And they went all over. <laughs> he forced them to go cross-cultural. <laughs> um, and they went preaching, it says in the book of Acts. And uh, uh, it, was, it was a movement. Nan and I tasted a little bit of this. We, we, we've been married two years. When we really met Jesus seriously, April Fool's Day, 1966. Yeah, I know, before most of you were born. And um, it, was a, it was a cool time in the, in the Holy Spirit. I mean, people, you know, Lutherans and Catholics and Presbyterians and Methodists and Baptists and disciples of Christ and you name it, people were getting saved and, and experiencing the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and Bible studies were just popping. I mean, nobody was saying, may I, can I? It was just, in, in, in a lot of these dead churches, whole choirs got saved and filled with the Spirit. <laughs> I went back to my home Presbyterian church and, and they let me preach, God bless them, and gave an altar call and the eldest came down and got saved and my, my dad came down and got saved. I mean, it was a cool time. <laughs> and things were just... And I wasn't a pastor at that time. I was still in the Air Force. <laughs> it, it was... These are what we call high-octane days. We had a lot more faith than we had teaching. <laughs> and that's a lot like the church in China today. It's a people movement. They don't have much teaching. In fact, probably every... Christian in this room today knows more than most Chinese Christians know about the Bible and about theology. But one thing they do have is they're just spreading the word. Now, are there messes in this kind of environment? Yes. Do we need leaders to kind of sometimes keep things from train wrecks? Yes. But all oh, that spontaneous. And, and I'll just say, it's time for a new generation of that in America. I want to be a part of that. You want to be a part of that. Now, we have this strange culture in the American church world today. Uh, you've heard of Doctors Without Borders. I talk about Christians without mission. 
Um, the abundant life that Jesus came to give has mission for God, a passion for God, right at its core. And I meet way too many Christians that are just like, well, you know, I just attend church. In fact, they even say that sometimes. Where do you attend church? Um, <laughs> you know, kind of lackadaisical. They're not wearing a jersey. They're not on the field. They're not on the team. They, they, maybe they go someplace occasionally, but there's no risk. They just sort of drift along. And I meet way too many Christians who I believe genuinely believe that Jesus died for sinners and that they have trusted Him to forgive their sins and to give them eternal life. Period. No sense of passion. No sense of joy. No sense of excitement. No sense of living for a mission to change the world. Change at least somebody by praying for them, by caring, by listening, by paying attention to the people around me and just caring about them. <clears throat> See, all Christians have the same calling. And I'm not talking about whether you're called to be a pastor or a musician or this and that. That's all good too. But Paul says in Ephesians 4.4, 4, there's only one call. And it's a call from God to belong to Jesus and to live for Him and for the glory of God and the coming of His kingdom and the inbreaking. And in it, you know, the two kingdoms are clashing and there's always, I mean, change is not easy. Living in the kingdom of God for the kingdom of God makes it real clear in Scripture. It's not just, it's not just a cakewalk. <clears throat> now, we all have different gifts. We have different temperaments. But at our core, in the core of your life is to be this passion for God to be glorified and people to be helped. See, so often the church has, has said, you know, this is wrong and that's wrong and we're right. But that's not the point. The point is to care <laughs> and to listen enough that somebody will open up. You know, I, I said last night, my, my two neighbors are medical doctors. They're both Hindu. I don't know anything about Hindus. I don't have to. I care about them as people. Have them in my home. Listen to them. Talk to them. Ask questions. People, people respond to that. You don't have to win an argument. You just listen, care, and at the right time, the Holy Spirit give you this question. That, what, do you, what do you think about that? How is that working? And at the right moment, they'll, they'll think, you know, you, you, you care. I think you have something. <laughs> oh, it's so fun to live that way. Uh, when this purpose core is not there, and yet you're a Christian, then life just revolves around going to work, paying bills, shopping for food, preparing food, repairing my car, paying insurance, trying to raise children, trying to deal with stuff. You see, it's like, I see, I, when I see Christians living like that, I just think, oh man, you're missing the adventure. Jesus promised you an adventure. Church, this is, this, the, you only have a few years to live here, to bring the kingdom of God in. And people around us, there are people around you that only you have access to. And those are the ones that God wants to use us with to, to touch them. Can't live without that sense. Christianity and church can be disappointing if the gospel does not define who we are. And that's where a lot of Christians live. I wonder how many Christians, people by that, who ostensibly believe in Jesus Christ, live in Lynchburg, but have no sense of mission. They're not even a part, a regular, you know, a part of a body that's 
that, that, that is praying and believing and following the Holy Spirit, ministering to one another. Um, <laughs> I learned yesterday that I got a friend of mine. He got saved years and years ago with me, and he's a unique guy. He's uh, special, ex-special forces. Because my, the first church was in Fayetteville, and half my church was special forces, which is, makes an interesting congregation. But So, Jim, Jim's a real serious guy. He never smiles, well, hardly. And he's not a real people person. But it was so cool. His wife told me yesterday, she said, Jim took five Muslim men to um, an indoor, what do they call it? Indoor, yeah, there, um, Jim, Jim, of course, is jump qualified. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like skydiving. They, 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 they can do it inside. I don't know how they do it with fans or something. I don't know. Some of you probably know. So Jim took these five Muslim guys skydiving inside. Why? Because that's who Jim is. <laughs> He's special forces guy. And took him by the mosque where they prayed and took him to lunch. I mean, like I say, Jim is, he's not Mr. Social. Trust me. You know, um, he's a serious, you do wrong, I shoot you kind of a guy. I mean, and, and yet he's reaching out to Muslims like that. Befriending them. In other words, everybody, every one of us, we have a certain temperament, a certain gift. Some of us are kind of shy. Some of us aren't. But the whole combination, man, we, we really... We really need each other that way. And um, how many of you ever, this is a funny question because I really haven't. How many of you have seen these kind of movies or programs where they're interactive and you can choose the way it ends? I've heard about them. Anyway, you haven't seen them either. You've read about them, right? Well, you know, life's a lot like that. We have some choices. You can't, we can't change ourselves, but we can change our attitude. We, we, can, we can adopt this attitude. It is not about me. I don't care what color the walls are. I don't care what the music is like. See, I, and I, you know, I don't know anything about music. And the good news is if, 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 if they miss a note or sing off tune, it'll never bother me. I'll never hear it. And I know nothing about, the, people talk about the music of the 60s. Listen, I was in the Air Force. I was in Vietnam in the 60s. I missed the 60s. I have no idea what music went down in the 60s. The only music I know is 50s. Whatever they're listening to in 2011, I have no idea. But some of you do. And we need to be on the team working together to change the whole church culture. And be willing to ask when people come in, what do you see? What do you, what do you see? Did you understand what we were? Yeah. And then we change, we change, we change. Now, this church is six years old, the one in Columbia that I just planted and turned it over to Jimmy, and uh, who, who's much younger, of course, and uh, has helped me plant this church and been my young eyes and young ears right, right along. We're going to do something radical. We've been working really hard for the last year or two. I mean, two years at least. Tweaking, 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 changing. Going to other churches. Going to other organizations. Saying, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Not to copy, but to get fresh ideas. Not, not, not to just be a clone of somebody else, but to learn, change, think, read, study. And so we're going to relaunch Grace Life Church in January 2012. We're going to pretend that we are a church plant. Now, having church planted for 40 years, and the, some churches like the church in Chapel Hill, Nan and I and the family drove into Chapel Hill by ourselves. And we planted the church <laughs> just driving into the city and saying, Now what, Lord? <laughs> People aren't planting churches that way here anymore. And I don't want them to. It's too, it's too slow. And it worked. I mean, the Holy Spirit was faithful. But what if I get to plant a church and I've got 150 people in a building? Oh, baby. Sign me up. 
So we're going to church plant. We, in other words, we're going to re, we're going to reconfigure the, the, all of our systems. And uh, I guess I left it in Willie's office, but I'm leaving with Willie. Uh, 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 we're going to we're bringing all of our people. In other words, all of our people are going to go through a membership class tonight. They'll have dinner, all of them, and go through membership class number two tonight. And it's a whole fresh new commitment. And I was there last Sunday night with lesson number one, and our people were so pumped. And they know all the material that's being taught. They know it. But they suddenly sense like, we are going to do this together. And I was so I was so pumped. Just, I mean, I wasn't teaching it. I wasn't involved. I've already turned everything over. But, but I'm watching my people. I was sitting near the back. Usually I sit on the front. And people were pumped. And it's like, I'm putting on the jersey. It, it, we, the, I tell you, when that starts happening, people will start getting saved. We are now seeing two, three, four, five People raise their hands every week to be saved. We're, we're, we're now, you know, we're still, a, you know, kind of struggling, trying to get traction in the city. And we have a lot of military. So, you know, last spring we lost seven families were transferred all at the same time. And we kind of went, ooh. <laughs> but since then, we've added a new family every week, every week, every week, every week. And you begin to feel that excitement. You begin to feel that at momentum. I'm going to be a part of a people who contribute to this world. My life is going to count. And I believe that that is in every Christian heart. Uh, a desire for your life to count. And so I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit will just spark something. You say, well, Jerry, what you're talking about is going to take time. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is going to be a lot more than an altar call. <laughs> this is adopting a new attitude. It's about reaching another generation. It's not about the music I like, the color I like, or when, what time of day you meet. Um, it's not about what you wear. It's about the heartbeat of God to save people from pardon my, from screwing up their lives. I see people doing stuff, you know, and I, I just go, oh, man, you're so going to whack your life doing that. <laughs> I get so frustrated because we know where it's going to go. I've seen this movie. <laughs> I, wor- I work out in, gym, in Gold's Gym. I am the pastor of Goals Gym. How do you know? Because I appointed myself. <laughs> so I'm constantly going up to people, especially those that are what I call gym rats, <laughs> and meeting them, getting their name, speaking over them, kind of find out where they were. Um, the last time I was in the gym was Friday because I couldn't, I was Saturday, I was traveling. And, uh, I met this guy, you know, I saw him. I, uh, he's kind of an unattractive guy. So, so Anyway, I went over and I said, hi, and my name, and he gives me his name, and immediately I pick up, he's, he's, he's not from America. Where are you from? I'm from Romania. He needs a friend. He needs somebody to take an interest in him. <laughs> we have so many opportunities. So, where are you going with all this, Jerry? <laughs> well, Willie's asked me, Pastor Willie's asked me to come and, and uh, kind of, <clears throat> you know, speak in apostolically. In other words, I'm, uh, I'm kind of an entrepreneur uh, kind of a guy. Um, I can't tell you what to do. I can tell you that the Holy Spirit is taking... Those who wish to go on a journey, the Holy Spirit's taking us on a journey to become observers of the culture around us. 
and learn how to think so that we can relate. When I go into the gym, you're not going to hear me saying praise the Lord and, and, and glory to God and hallelujah. I'm talking gym talk. But I'm listening for the Holy Spirit to speak. and give. My, my trainer, I don't meet with him very often, but about once a month I have a trainer. And I've been witnessing to him, and he recently got saved. And I was pumped. I was a little bummed that I didn't get to be the one to lead him to Christ. But anyway, I was, uh, I was in the tag team. And uh, he's asking me questions about his life now. And, you know, he's dating a girl. He wants questions about how do I live now that I'm following Christ. All that takes place at the gym. I love that. So what I'm asking this morning is what would happen if, what would happen if Cornerstone said, you know, we're going we're gonna to replant this church. What if we said, we haven't figured this out, but we're going we're gonna, to, some of us, I don't know who, I'm going to be talking to, to, to the leadership team here. But what if we were to read some books talking about how to change some of these things? And we begin talking to one another like, we're not going to say it that way anymore. We're not going to do it that way anymore. We're going to study the, 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 the music, the language, whatever it is, not to be immoral. No. To reach to them with the message. We're going like the early church. Cross-cultural. What if you were to sign up for that journey? Um, You know, my hope is, well, here's the thing. This this generation is not going to, the change is not going to get slower. Ten years from now, who knows where this culture is going to be? God's wanting His church to live by the Spirit, to have a passionate, burning purpose for kingdom life that makes the mundane job and the difficulties of paying our bills and thinking through things. He wants every piece of our lives to live for the glory of God and the coming of His kingdom and to live in this constant thing where we're willing to change. Be like Paul who said, I've become all things to all men. I'm willing to do whatever. Of course, he doesn't sacrifice truth, but to cross those barriers. Um, so I ask these questions like, can we create a culture here where people with tattoos are comfortable? Where people with body piercings are comfortable? They come in here and they, they feel, I'm cool. <laughs> you, nobody's judging me or cares. Do I like all that stuff? Are you kidding me? I used to tell my, my church in Chapel Hill, I don't care if you dye your hair green. All I care about is your heart. This young girl came bouncing up afterwards, a teenager. Her hair was green. She said, oh, I love that. <laughs> I just want your heart, man. I just want your heart. That's what God wants. wants a heart. So what if this church went on an adventure? We began to read, pray, think, ask God individually. How can I get into this? Um, maybe we'll take you through a time of, of your rejoining the church. So we have, and then anybody who comes in gets this, and we all get on the same page. What if we re- reboot the church in September or January 2013? Listen, every organization has to reboot sometimes. The whole of GCI, Grace Churches International, we're, we're in the, by the end of this year, we will no longer be Grace Churches International. We will be impact churches. We will be doing things differently. Same theology, but we know good and well. We've got to change if we're going to plant more churches and reach more people and become more passionate about the glory of God. Okay, that's my proposal. Um, it could start here today. But if it starts, it'll just be a process. Because my hope is that when you're 90 years old, you'll still be right on the edge, changing, adapting, loving, 
being used by God to see people change. You don't want to live any other way. Pastor Willie, that's my proposal to the church. I think I need you to say, uh, did I weird you out? Or is, is, if I get in my car and drive off and they say, Pastor Willie, what in the heck was that about? <laughs> so I don't know. He just came in and preached that and left. Well, I asked uh, Jerry to come and not speak his normal traditional message, basically, which is uh, a, a message that's very theological, very scriptural, and, and, and he's using the Bible, he's taking you through scripture, out of scripture and things like that. Uh, and uh, it's a great message that's on time, and he leaves us with something, so, wow, this man knows doctrine, you know, that's good. I asked him to come and speak to us about where we are and where we need to go. Because I know that he is doing it and has done it many times. I asked him to come to speak to us apostolically uh, as the, uh, when you look in the scripture, like the Apostle Paul, when uh, the church at Corinth asked questions, then uh, Paul would answer the questions through an epistle, through a letter, and tell them those things. Well, I'm asking a question, how can we move from where we are more to where God wants us to be? We don't want to stay stagnant. Uh, The last uh, wedding I I did uh, at the reception, and that was at, uh, uh, Jesse, that was at at your reception there. And I was was in line behind, he's probably about maybe 50 something like that, about 50, 52 years old. And he was telling me that uh, he, he, was, he was there for the wedding. His daughter was there. And I said, well, tell me, what ta- well, how is your church like? Uh, back in, in, he was out of town. He said, it's dying. He said, my daughter goes to church there because I go, but she's leaving uh, because they don't want to change. Everybody is, is older. Don't have young people coming in. They're not interested in changing. All they want to do is keep things going the way it is because this is the way we've always done it and it has worked and everybody's happy. Even though young people don't want to come, even though young people are not interested in inviting their friends, the older people, they don't care. And I know that we have churches in Lynchburg because I'm old enough to have taught people now that are in their fifties, and they tell me some of the churches that they, they, their parents go to, they are all in their sixties and seventies, no young people, and they have about fifty people, and they are dying. As soon as they die out, that's it. The building is paid for, big building. I don't want that for Cornerstone. No, sir. We have to grow. We can't be satisfied with status quo. There's a world out there that needs us. There's a world out there that, that they are looking for answers. Yeah. Who's going to give them that answer? I, I, I tried to reach out to people when I was teaching uh, to, the, to, to my coworkers and things like that. And all of them, you know, they, 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 would, they would tell me their problems. And I would try to give them solutions. You have to do that. If we just come to church... When it's nice weather, if it's threatening snow, we might not come. And all this kind of stuff because it's not exciting. Christianity is dull, like Jerry said. What is that? You go to work. You don't say anything about Jesus because, and you don't get involved with anybody because, well, they don't want to hear it. And they got their life. I got my life. I have problems just like they have problems. Who am I? I don't want to be holier than thou type of situation. And I don't want to tell them what to do. That's crazy. That's not, that's not Bible. <laughs> Bible is, I saw Jesus, he made a difference. Everywhere he went, he made a difference. Everywhere. He didn't compromise nothing. But he also, he went to the Samaritans. He also talked to Zacchaeus. He also went to sinners' houses. He, he was someone who was on the move. And that's what I see that we are supposed to be doing on the move. 
And I said, Jerry, we have to, we have to change. Because if I don't help this church on this watch to change so that you won't invite your friends. And if you invite your friends, then those friends might not be saved, which I hope they are not. (laughs) Or they they are unchurched. Or they gave their life to Christ back when they were teenagers and they were straight. I want you to invite them. It's exciting when everybody is out there in their workplace, in the marketplace. Uh, If you're a housewife, you still go places, you still volunteer, you still do things. I want you inviting people because still the church is, even though the church then, they were just, they they didn't have walls pretty much. They had houses and they met and and broke bread. But they they just, they were out there on the move. Uh, We have buildings and, and we have still we invite people as well as going out, so we still want people to come in. So that's why we have those functions like we're having for uh, Christmas open house, because we want you to invite your friends. But when they come, what are they going to see? That's what we want. We want to be exciting. We want, now, we have plenty of young people coming, and we, we want to keep it that way, but we need ideas. It's not about me. God knows it's not about me. Uh, our watch, the people that, that's our age, our watch is ending. What are we going to do? We have the wisdom. The young people need us. But what are they going to do to take this thing to another level? What are we going to help them, usher them into doing? Yep. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. For everybody who's, who's 50 and above, I'm looking for us to be passing the baton on to another generation, but we have, to, we have to prepare them to carry the baton faster than we did. And so I'm excited about that. So that's why I asked Jerry to come. And we are going to change. Now, what do I mean by change? We are going to be more missional. In other words, ministry, we want to be doing the work of missions, of, of Matthew 28. Go into all the world. Make disciples. Right? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them those things that I've taught you. That's what we want. Because it's a hurting world. And I'll tell the 501 women that, that Minerva and I are working with, uh, teaching them how to train other women. We say, look, there are so many women out there that need you. That's right. So many women. All we're trying to do is try to get you doctrinal on the same page so you won't be going by touchy-feely. You're going by the word of God, and you can make a difference in your life and in the lives of those people. That's what I want. And so we're excited about it. So whatever it means, I'm on, I'm on board. And then if, if you're not the person that's on board, if you're the person that say, well, I, it's about me and what I like. It's about what I think we need to be doing. Then uh, you might not be able to make it here because it's not about me. It's about God. And I want to see what God is doing. And I know God wants us reaching out. And you know that too. We know that God wants people saved. All people saved. We know God wants that. So I'm... I'm, I'm for change. Yeah. Are we going to be missional? Or are we going to be, let's have kumbaya all the time. <laughs> you know, let's hold hands and let's, let's it's about us. Yeah. Uh, we, we got a, a nice congregation. We know everybody. Uh, we, we don't want a lot of undesirables coming in. <laughs> it's not about us. It's about those outside the walls that don't go to church anywhere in Lynchburg. Nowhere. That's what it's about. And that's where we're going. That's why I asked you to come, Jerry. And we're on board. I'm not sure you needed me. <laughs> <laughs> we're on board. I guarantee you. And, and I know we're all on board. I know that. I, I, I know you. I know your hunger and thirst for something else. I was talking to somebody just today. And they said, I'm bored. And, and you see, you just said that last night. Last night. We got bored Christians. Because they're not... They're not, you know, what, what, what am I supposed to do? It's not about just coming and, and doing this a little bit. 
They're ready for change. They're ready to do something. Give me something to do that, 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 that's burning inside that's bigger than me. That's, that's going to take me on my knees before God. God, help me. That's right. That's what that's I'm right. excited about it, brother. Amen, brother. Yeah. Let's stand. Praise <laughs> God. <laughs> Praise God. Jerry, we appreciate you coming. And uh, our tradition, which is a good tradition, because it's scripture, is to um, bless the, the Jerry and Nan for being here. Uh, they have expenses. They don't, they, you know, gas prices, just like I do, and things like that. He's, he's no longer the pastor of the church. He's released that, and so he's just traveling, helping other ministers to and other congregations to grow with what God has given him. And so if you would uh, please see what God will have you to give towards that, just drop it in the basket there and be a blessing because it blesses God. If there is anyone here today that you will say that I have not given my life to Jesus Christ, I want to do that today because I want to be on a team. I want to wear the jersey. Just raise your hand and put it back down and, and want to clu- include you in a closing prayer. Is there anyone here? Just raise your hand and put it back down. We're not going to embarrass you anything like that. If there is anyone here that you say, well, I, I gave my life to Christ, but I haven't been living for him. Mm-hmm. Today, I want to come back. I want to be that prodigal to come back to the Father. Just raise your hand and put it back down. We'll close, we, we'll, we'll, on the closing prayer, we'll include you. Is there anyone like that? Just raise your hand and put it back down. If there's anyone here today that the message that Jared brought was a message about being on fire for God. It's not a a strange message. It's not uh, really something new. It's something biblical that God has been doing ever since he came. He's been doing that. But you say it's difficult. It's difficult. Pray for me because I want a heart of change, but I don't like change. It's been about me, but I don't want it to be about me. Help me. Pray for me that I'll be able to join with what God is doing this day and time in saving souls. If that's you, just raise your hand and put it back down. Thank you. I saw the hand. Anybody else? Just, just thank you. Give me a prayer team to come Mm -hmm. up, please. It is very important to to, to minister to people. And we have a team that would like to pray with you after service. They would like to pray for your knees, for uh, their standing proximity with you, for your loved one. If you have have some pains or aches or uh, the doctors told you this or that, and and you want some prayer uh, agreement, they're here to pray for you. God loves you. He loves you. And he wants to meet your need. Let's close in prayer for the, the people who raise their hands. Mm-hmm. Father, mm-hmm. thank you for the message today to bring just a, a wake-up call that it's not about us. It's about you and what you're doing. It's always been about you. And you've had different moves that has shaken the church through generations out of what they were doing, thinking that that was normal. You had movements all the way through the history of the church, Lord. And this is still another form of you changing the way we do business as a body of believers. We want to be in tune to the Holy Spirit's Movement mm-hmm. and move with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, you saw the hands of those who mm-hmm. raised their hands. We're asking you, Lord, to touch them, to change them internally. Father, give them the grace to be moving with you in spite of their traditional background, in spite of their personality in spite of wherever they are, which you know, and I don't. Touch them, Lord. Give them grace. That's what we need, grace, Lord. 
grace to receive, grace to step out, grace to reach another generation that they don't think like we think. They don't do what we do. But you love them, you have called them, and you have a plan for their lives, and you just need someone to go. You said that harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You asking us to sign up to wear the jerseys and say, we're going to be laborers. We're going into your harvest. Sign us up. And we thank you, Father, that you are doing it and you have done it because they raised their hand. And by faith, we know that it's done. Thank you, Father. My name is Jason Buendorf, and I'm, we're going to go ahead and close the service. For those of you that didn't know me yet, I haven't been up here yet this morning. Um, praise God for Jerry Daly and for Pastor Taylor and for the body. Heavenly Father, we just want to lift you up. As we step out these doors today, Father, we pray for change. Lord, we pray for a change in our hearts and our minds. Lord, we pray for a body, a team approach, Father, in unity that we can step out and do this thing and carry this out. Whatever you have and plan for us in the future, Father, we just say yes, let's go for it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.